Foxworthy. I'm a podcaster living in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is the Disenfranchised Podcast, a podcast about franchises of one, films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. We provide entertainment. We provide knowledge. And we are here to tell you all about movies. Uh, again, my name is Stephen Foxworthy. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Brett Wright, the man for whom three little birds told every little thing was going to be all right. How are we doing, Brett? Uh, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. Listen to the birds, Brett. Listen to the birds. Nah, I'm all right. Birds are terrifying. <laughs> taught me that. Birds aren't real. But that's If the internet's told me anything, it's told me that birds aren't real. Right, they are also spies for the CIA. Correct. Correct. Right. Yep, and you know, little little drones with cameras in their uh, in their faces. Yep, that's uh, again. This is the th- this is the thing that I know. Uh, I also know that Brett, we are not alone today. Uh, we are joined by a survivor in New York City from the cast of Cthulhu. It's our good friend. Welcome back, Mr. James McCormick. James, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's good to survive. It's um, <laughs> you know, I'm just with my cat right now. My girlfriend is gone, and uh. You know, it's weird right now, but I got coffee. I got liquor. I, I'm okay. I was going to say, you got everything you need, yes. really. You, you don't You don't have a dog. You've got a cat, but you've got you you've know. got coffee. You've got liquor. You've got, I mean, just just save the bacon. As long I, as you're saving the bacon. I mean, the only difference is if I had a dog, he'd try to help me. With the cat, if I'm dying, he'll just look at me and then wait till I die and eat me. So it's yeah. okay. Honestly, way. I've got two dogs and I don't know to what extent they'd be much use helping <laughs> me, honestly. <laughs> but I love them to death. Uh, they are good dogs. Um, boy, howdy, a tough scene to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it is Spookython, week three of our uh, annual Spookython, our third annual Spookython. And uh, we are uh, coming at you with... Um, with, with a very interesting type of horror movie. Brett, what movie are we covering today? Uh, we're covering I Am Legend. I Am Legend from 2007, uh, directed by Francis Lawrence, based on a screenplay by Mark Protasevich and Akiva Goldsman, based on the novel by Richard Matheson, and starring Will Smith, Alice Braga, Charlie Tahan, Sally Richardson Whitfield, Willow Smith, Daryl Foster, and just a ton of below the line cast members. What a cast, gentlemen! What a picture! <laughs> yes. What, who are the below the line cast members for this? People. I, well, I mean the, the big the big one is Emma Thompson, yeah. who is yeah, uncredited right. as the doctor who cures cancer and then dies. Um, we see her at the very beginning, and then we see a picture of her in a news broadcast, and then never again. Such a weird cameo. Weird, very weird cameo. I could have sworn the voice of the president on the radio was Brad Pitt, but I had no way of confirming that. Yeah, it said a different name, so I'm not sure. Maybe he was going, because I know Brad Pitt likes to do uh, alter egos, you know, while doing uncredited stuff, but. Right, as does that. as does his buddy Matt Damon, but I didn't yep. see him, I didn't see him in the credits anywhere either, so. No. So that's probably just my ears playing tricks on me or, or them getting a sound alike or something. But uh, but yeah, I am legend. The third adaptation of the um, Robert Matheson story. I am legend. Um, what is it about? I am legend. That is uh, that's so adaptable. That's so engaging. James, your thoughts. I mean, growing up and, you know, really liking the story by Matheson and then also, you know, really digging Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, because who doesn't like Vincent Price? 
and the Omega and the Omega Man with Charlton Heston with completely different version of the story with big brained mutants and it's more sci-fi but so you had like last man on earth was like actual horror then you had omega man which was more to sci-fi and you have i am legend which is kind of a mashup of horror and sci-fi with a lot of action kind of peppered in yeah 2007 you know like the action sci-fi genre but i mean really it's it's kind of like watching it again after so many years um it actually like kind of got me in a different way because you know, seeing a plague uh, take over the world and people wearing masks and getting infected and then, you know, the worst case scenario, closing off borders and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, oh, wow, this is actually really relevant now. It's kind of scary, actually. It hits real, real different in 2022 than yeah. it did in 2007. I can tell you that for free. And plus New York City. I mean, you know, originally they wanted to film it in L.A. and then, you know, they would do it in Houston. But then. I'm kind of glad they did the New York City thing because what's scarier than seeing New York City just nobody around. Just right. everything just destroyed, you know, like just kind of just dead to the world. And that's scary. Like that is actually more scary than anything because I think even, I don't know if it was Francis Lawrence or someone said that when they were going to do an L.A., the problem is at 3 p.m., L.A., parts of L.A. look dead anyway. <laughs> New York City right. is the opposite. It's like you it could be two in the morning and it's people wandering around, you know, in various states of, you know, whatever they're under the influence. But yeah, it's like, and living in New York city, it kind of like hit me in a weird way because, you know, you watch a movie, you're like, Oh wow. I know those areas. I know that store. I know that restaurant. I know other music, the record store across the street from the video store he's taking movies from. And, you know, again, I think people, a lot of people don't want to admit that post-apocalyptic stories kind of like kind of touch a nerve with people because it could happen at any time. Something can trigger a nuclear explodes, anything. And this is various states of like fear and like people like to go to movies with fear. You know, they like to be scared. They like to see something that doesn't seem like it could happen, but what if it does? Right. And that's the scary part. And yeah. And then of course, Will Smith being, the big, especially at that time, the big box office draw, mm-hmm. and you know the second in a row of uh, I movies that he did, um, I Robot first in two thousand four, um, both based on classic sci fi horror right. novels, right? Very very weird run, and I just I, I try to imagine the world we would have been in if this movie actually got made with Arnold Schwarzenegger starring, yes. which is crazy, but that would have been complete like oh yeah action action exactly. horror movie, you know, but. We don't live in that world. We live in the Will Smith one. And, you know, I have to say, watching it again after so many years, I actually liked it more than the initial couple of viewings that I had back in the late 2000s, especially after the DVD came out and with the alternate endings, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, again, this is a story that has been adapted three times, but I don't think anyone's ever truly captured the actual story. Right. And yeah. I think I think a big part of that is because the story is so influential on, on so much of our so of our much. horror fiction yeah. now. It at this point it's the the pieces that haven't been adapted have been used pretty much everywhere else, right? So Oh yeah. It's I mean, zombie it's basically Night a zombie Dead. yeah, Night of Living Dead, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's I mean it it's it wears its on its sleeve, but it's Matheson was one of those authors that 
he's so influential that people almost forget who he is. And then when you watch movies and TV shows and you go, oh, I've seen this story before. It's like, yeah, a few authors wrote all these stories, basically. Right. And he was he's up of, there with Asimov, with Bova, with um, Phil K. Ellison. Phil as, K. Dick. As those, yeah, like those guys. Yeah, those, those guys that really kind of defined what science fiction would become. 100%. Um, have you read this, the, the story I Am Legend? Yeah, yeah. I actually... <laughs> Funny side story, um, I still have a copy that my friend let me borrow probably, I'm going to say about 2003, 2004, and I still oh. have it to this day. And okay. I'm no longer friends with him. I don't know where he, I don't know. He stole some stuff <laughs> but you've always got me, something to remember him by. Yeah, yeah, I have that to remember. You know, he has some of my stuff that he actually stole because he's a drug oh. addict, but whatever. Oh, nope. Okay. So I'm keeping the book. That- I mean, look, that's the least you can do. Yes, is keep the book. <laughs> Brett, what about you? What's your what's your kind of history with I Am Legend? Where what what do you find so appealing about the story? Do you find the story appealing? Uh, give us give us your background on this one, sir. I have zero. I just have this movie. Um, just this movie, okay? Yeah, uh, and I mean, I love a good apocalypse story. I'm sorry, I'm more for you. That's no, you're it. good. You're good, man. Um, I uh, well, and and I know you're a big fan of vampires, and I know you're a big fan of zombies. And this movie um, posits what if what if zombies were vampires? Maybe. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into good. what these are here. I think yeah. a little later because that is one of my talking points: is what the hell are these <laughs> things? Um, they were original, I, originally fairly intelligent vampires in the original story, right, weren't they? Right. I think so. Yeah. yeah. yeah they spoke. Yeah. They they congregated. They they had plans. You know, they weren't just like mindless freaks. They're running around. And I think this this leans more into the some of the more zombie esque tropes of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I'm I'm with you, Brett. I don't I don't really have a lot of um, background on this. I've I've seen parodies of the Omega Man, such as the uh, the Omega Man from the. Uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, uh, I think back in season nine, that's season nine at Treehouse of Horror. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've got that. Um, and I think I've, I've seen like probably clips from the original Omega Man. But and then I remember when I was working at the bookstore, a lot of people loved this book. Like this book was in it was fairly tough to keep on the shelves. People were constantly buying it. And it was kind of one of those like this looks interesting. Maybe I should read this. Um, and then the Will Smith movie came out and I saw it and it kind of killed any interest in me reading the book so but i, I don't know after this rewatch like again it, it it like it did with you james it kind of struck a little differently this time mm-hmm. so um I, I might i might be a little more inclined to uh to return and, and perhaps visit that novel for the first time so yeah it's been on my list for a while to read because it seems right up my alley and i just never got around to it uh, and but also with this movie yeah i remember when it first came out i didn't really care for it but mm-hmm. i liked it much better this time Probably because, as we've stated, it, it's a little different now. Yeah, it's 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 a different. It, yeah, it, it definitely like like so many post apocalyptic like so much post apocalyptic fiction now. It just kind of hits a little like it, and it's also kind of like the um, uh, the 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 type of movie where the day just repeats over and over. There's a name for it, and I just completely forgot what it was. Oh, um, and I, now we've all forgotten yeah, it too. Because I, I mean, I didn't I didn't know that thing actually had a. I thought they just named it after Groundhog Day. Right. Uh, but but that kind of, that style of movie, I know Palm Springs and Russian Doll kind of got a lot of attention for that kind of, and and the fact that, you know, living in a in a quarantine space for as long as, as most of us did, we 
kind yeah. of were living the same day over and over. Like that kind of fiction also hits a little differently now. So, I mean, there are so many different types of fiction that kind of resonate with us differently now in, in this world in which we live uh, for good or ill. Um, probably ill on some level, but no, I mean, it, at least I enjoyed this movie a little more as a result. Um, so, you know, um, there's that anyway. Uh, I'm going to stop talking before I get myself into more trouble. Hey, before we get too much deeper, uh, let's go ahead and talk the plot of this movie. Um, the uh, We usually do that in about 60 seconds or less. Um, for new listeners, first of all, welcome. Uh, but we normally do a segment called The Plot in 60 Seconds, where we try to recount the plot of the movie we're discussing in 60 seconds or less. Normally, Brett or I will do that. Uh, at the behest of our friend, the coin of justice. But when we have a guest, we do enjoy letting them take a crack at the wheel. So uh, James, you have just graciously agreed to step up and do that for us. Uh, and so whenever you're ready, sir, I've got one minute on the clock. I'll give you the 30 and 10 second warnings okay. and uh, have at it, sir. Okay. Will Smith is Robert Neville, the sole survivor after helping start a plague with Emma Thompson that has killed more than 5 billion people. He did try to cure cancer, after all, but it sadly created a majority of mutated, vampiric, zombie, muscular, but also emaciated creatures with the vocal talents of Mike Patton. Neville and his canine companion drive around New York City, trying to and badly hunting deer, going to the video store and talk to the mannequins because being alone can drive anyone crazy. Still trying to find a cure and putting out a beacon for any survivors, what happens when these creatures start to show some intelligence? And even more so, what happens when a pair of survivors come into Neville's life? His life might actually get flipped, turned upside down after all. Yo, Holmes, smell you later. This is I Am Legend. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> With 15 seconds left to spare. There you go. Um, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well Mr. McCormick, thank well you, done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, my, this morning, my actually, my girlfriend asked me, oh, how's the prep? I'm like, oh, you know, I just kind of threw in some Fresh Prince uh, lyrics. And, and she goes, what? I'm like, forget it, because she's never seen the movie. And she sure. likes Fresh Prince, but she's not really a Will Smith fan. So I'm like, I'll explain later when you come when you come back from Baltimore. I'll explain. OK, <laughs> um, it's a shame she's not out in West Philadelphia. I know um, it would have been perfect. Damn it. Right. <laughs> uh, at, at any rate, let's let's actually let's start with the Will Smith of it mm -hmm. all here. Mm -hmm. Um, cause roundabout will roundabout. Wow. Words are hard when you're a podcaster, you should probably talk well. And then here's me just like tripping over myself with every other word. Um, will Smith of course gets his start as the fresh Prince of Bel Air or actually just the fresh Prince, which he then parlays into a television show. Um, and then be yeah. begins slowly, but surely to become an actor, um, films like independence day, six degrees of separation, Bad Boys, Men in Black, very quickly becomes a box office draw. Yeah, it was that it was that time um, he had the billion. Every movie was like billion dollar movie every year, and it's like wow, this guy is like untouchable. Mister Fourth of July, yeah. like he would open those big Fourth of July release movies yeah. and just kill at the box office. Like, what what were your thoughts of Will Smith back in the back in the late mid to late nineties when he was really popping off? Like, what was your what was your exposure to reaction to him i've always liked i mean until recently you know i've mm. always liked will smith i mean i've always you know and i've always thought he has that natural charisma like you mm -hmm. can't help but like like him even like if he's being a dick you're still like 
okay, he's acting like a dick. And does that necessarily make him a good actor? I mean, Six Degrees of Separation, I think, is one of his best roles because that's kind of before the whole Will Smith train kept going. He's really good. It's, it's kind of pre persona. Yeah. Really. And he's really good in that movie. He's like, re- he's actually acting yeah. there as opposed to just putting on the Will Smith. Exactly. So, like, you know, and, you know, movies like Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, although, you know, you like the the fun, you know, like, you know, freaking Agent J, you know, like, like ridiculousness. But he's, you, you know, I make this look yeah, good. Yeah. 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 You know, always one liners, always has a song featured in like one of his oh. movies of some sort. And I've always, you know, I always enjoyed him. But then something, I don't know what it was, but then I think it's around the time when he started to try to take himself more seriously and doing mm. movies like The Pursuit of Happiness and stuff like that. Kind oh, of, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. That's phase okay. two. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of when I kind of went, mm, okay, I'm not really going to see his movies anymore. I'm not, like, actively seeking out his movies. Or, like, mm. what, what was that? <laughs> the Legend of Bagger Vance where he's the... Oh, no. helpful black character uh, in a movie yeah the, the magical the magical black yeah. character yeah <laughs> so i'm like what happened like you know you you had a good thing and something but again a lot of actors like to try to stretch themselves and branch out mm-hmm. and it doesn't always work for all of them and i think that's kind of what happened to will smith and i think he is i think he is in, in a lot of ways perhaps trying to recapture some of that now now that he's now that he's finally got his Oscar, it seems like he's kind of wanting to go back to that well. Yeah, well, he got that Oscar, and then you know, at what cost? Yeah, exactly, though? the infamous slap. Which, when it happened, I thought it was a joke. Like when it actually initially, I'm like, oh, this can't be real. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. and you're like, oh no, it actually really happened, and it wasn't a skit. Okay. Mm-mm. And then no. you're like, why would anyone do that? This is not one of those famous Chris Rock bits. No, no. Or like Will Smith just trying to be fun at the Oscars. No. And and, mm-hmm. and again, we, we don't know what the heck. You know, like there's all this stuff about private life and like stuff with his wife. And whatever it is, it's still no excuse. You don't do that. Especially on live TV. Agreed. Like, oh, agreed. You know, I mean, like I'm, a, again, like separate from this, but I'm a wrestling fan. And... Mm there's lots of times wrestlers don't like each other and they might get mm-hmm. into scuffles behind the scenes and it gets reported on mm-hmm. and whatever. And you go, are you all grown people? Yeah. Yeah. But then again, when they're in front of the cameras, they have to act civil. They have to quote Correct. unquote act and be normal and like whatever it's it. You would think it would be the same thing, but sometimes people slip and have a bad day. And I guess Will Smith was having a bad day that day. And, Really hasn't helped him since because it kind of like got canceled from a lot of movies and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, which we'll we'll talk I, about toward the end of this episode. I know, it's great. We'll, we'll we'll circle back to that point specifically. Kind of crazy, actually, about that, you know. Uh, Brett Will Smith thoughts, sir. Uh, kind of the same. I was a big fan of him in the '90s. I loved all the big blockbuster stuff he was doing, and then he just kind of fell off. In phase two, as you said, and I just mm-hmm. stopped going to his movies. He wasn't really doing anything I was interested in right. anymore. Which, I mean, phase two starts, I mean, phase one is short. Like, phase one starts with maybe, if, if phase one starts with Bad Boys, probably, because Six Degree Separation is just a couple years before Bad right. Boys. He does Bad Boys in 95, Independence Day in 96, Men in Black in 97, wow. Enemy of the State in 99 and Wild Wild West in 99. Future episode of this podcast, Wild Wild West. (laughs) One that we've had on the schedule and canceled at least once. Um, 
for for various reasons. Um, and then and then we start 2000 starts phase two because we got the Legend of Bagger Vance in 2000, Ali in 2001, which I would argue is good actually. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 his first Oscar nomination is for Ali uh, Men in Black 2 in 2002, which is bad, actually. Yes. Bad oh. Boys 2 in 2003, which is good, yeah. actually. Yeah. 2004, we've got iRobot and Shark Tale. 2005 is Hitch. 2006 is Pursuit of Happiness, which leads us to 2007, with which is I Am Legend. After this, it's Hancock, Seven Pounds and Men in Black 3. And at that point, he's done like this is kind of the beginning of the end of the will smith train is this movie i am legend which i find really very interesting that this movie is the kind of one that sort of because hitch is still pretty big Mm -hmm. like hitch comes out people like it pursuit of happiness he gets his second oscar nomination but then the year after i am legend it's hancock it's seven pounds which is another very blatant oscar play and then it's nothing for four years until men in black three wow that's crazy to think that because he was on a roll and then, yeah. I, then you think, what happened? What happened? Was he producing more as opposed to acting? I mean, he wasn't really doing the music. I can, I can look yeah, into but that. But I'm saying, like, was he really doing his music at that time? Not really. Like, no. Maybe the rumored uh, Scientology stuff was going on at that time. He, he's not really producing much. Right. He produces, I think, I think that's the point where he starts getting more involved in his kids. Okay. Career. Cause the one producer credit that he has in there is the 2010 Jaden Smith. Correct. Okay. Okay. Future episode, another future episode of this Ooh, podcast. A lot, a lot of future episodes, but uh, no, I mean, that's true. I mean, I guess, and, and you know, in a way that's, isn't that good though? He, he was like, wanted to focus on his kids, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. hell and I am legend Willow's in that, in that movie as his daughter. So even back then he was starting well, I, there's a rumor, there's something that came out, and, and I don't know how true this is, but it was essentially that Will Smith said to his kids, look, if if you don't do this thing that I do, I'm not going to be able to relate to you. Oh, wow. That's true, Dan. Which, that that kind of cast kind of a, a, maybe a negative pall over that, mm. you know, being involved in his kids' yeah. lives, because he's basically trying to make them what he is, and they've all essentially rejected that at this I point. I think, you know what, it's true, because like, if you notice, like, Jaden especially has, like, almost become, like, anti-fame. Like, like, mm-hmm. like to the point, like yeah. in a very Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Kind of way. Without the, um, at least before we see without the, uh, you know, spousal abuse. Um, yeah, fingers I, crossed. No, I hope so. I hope so. But <laughs> one could yeah, right. Yeah. Hope. Um, but that's true. <laughs> we live I didn't, yeah, I didn't, actually didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like, like sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a thing. A lot of my friends that have kids right now tell me that, oh man, I, I really want them to be into what I'm into. And I just I tell them straight up, well then don't don't force it on them, let them find it. Mm-hmm. Like, and one of my friends, yeah. his kids found horror, and he's a horror fan, and now they relate to it because they came mm-hmm. to him. Oh, Dad, have you ever seen Evil Dead? And he's like, Yeah, I have. Oh my God, you like it? <laughs> Do you know there's a yeah, no exactly? And that's exactly. And they're like, What? But stuff like that <laughs> is great. But I have other friends that I I could tell they've tried to force certain things or sports on them and mm. you know kids sometimes kids just don't want to play sports they, i you know like i was one of those kids I'm, yeah me too yeah i wanted to stay home on my computer and or play D with my friends that's all i wanted to do D was was so, verboten in it, my house but, you know. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, that's of the devil for your house. Fine in mine. So well, I didn't do it in my house. I always went out to other people's houses. So my parents. Oh, see, I wasn't allowed to go out because all my friends lived far enough uh, away, and my parents would have to drive me in. Okay, a whole thing. so I understand. But yeah, so, I didn't have any local friends. I'm, <laughs> and you know, I didn't drive till I was twenty because I'm really cool. Um, in a, in a city with no public transportation, because oh again, really yeah. cool. Um. But yeah, I mean, and then and then we get this weird career resurgence for Will Smith after that. As a result, um, another future episode of this podcast after Ooh, Earth. After Earth, yeah, yeah. Winter's Tale, um, focus, concussion, Suicide Squad felt like it was going to be something, and then that movie sucked yeah. out loud. Yeah. Uh, Collateral Beauty with Margot Robbie, yeah. Bright, another future episode of this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Aladdin. Where he plays the genie. That was a hit. Uh, gen- yeah, that was. They're they're. I I think they're doing a sequel to it, or they've talked about doing a sequel to it. Really? Um, Gemini Man, Spies in Disguise, Bad Boys for Life, and then his Academy wow. Award winning role in King Richard. Like, th- just the, these last several years for him have been really kind of lackluster. Eh. Yeah, like those are all yeah. films. Ex- like, and, and you know, it's funny, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it, besides Suicide Squad, which, again, I agree, terrible movie, the sequel is much better, because it actually gets what the story's about. The sequel starring Alice Braga. I, I, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, you know, Leah, we'll, we'll get into Alice Braga. Like, she's, she reminds me of a, a newer version of Maria Conchita Alonso. Oh, like Like, she's in these great genre pictures, like, action, and again... Maria Conchita Alonso was in Predator 2, and she's in Predators. So they have, like, a weird... Mm -hmm. And The Queen of the South, which was a great TV series. Um, Oh, oh, great! Yeah, it just finished a couple of years. Like, she's basically becomes this big-time drug kingpin in a world of men. And she's, like, yeah, she's killing people. But again, like, she's... Another film I think you guys should cover is Repo Men that she did with Jude Law. About the people stealing... uh, You know, they, they would come... Like, if you don't pay your bills... Well, we're taking your heart. What? No. Which, I mean, that's Repo the Genetic yeah. Opera. That's similar premise, except Repo the Genetic Opera has some Right, opera which is weird. I think they both <laughs> came out around the same time, too. It's like, was that something in the world so. at the time? Like, you got to be careful that, you know, if you owe money, you might have to give your spleen or something. Yeah, I mean, there are and there are so many movies that kind of run those weird pal- yeah. parallels. And this is kind of a season where zombies are kind of starting to make a resurgence in 2007. So let's let's ask the question then. What the hell are these things? Are they vampires? Are they zombies? Brett, you we had a we had a big long discussion on our World War Z episode about what qu- constitutes and qualifies as a zombie. So you're kind of the person I tend to defer to on questions like this. What say you, sir? I say they're vampires. Period okay. end of story. Okay. They have zombie tendencies, but they're not dead. They're not mindless. Mm. Not all of them, anyway. They seem to be evolving, and some of them have intelligence. Um, and they don't—they don't seem to eat people. Yeah, they just kill them. But they don't really consume blood either. And is that not a? But, a well, I think they do because so that's—they do because well, that's oh, okay. how he gets the alpha female. He puts this little blood vial, yeah, okay. and like that attracts her. But again. You don't see them eating anybody, but then again, you don't see, <clears throat> excuse me, any bodies anywhere either. Like, so we don't know. But what? Yeah, actually, what do they eat besides maybe a little bit of blood? But there's not many people out there. 
at this time. So how are they surviving? Like, well, I mean, we do know there's that's deer. True. I guess, I guess they're going for the, the the animals, any dogs or or maybe the birds flying around. Yeah, and we do and we do see the infected. Well, I mean, birds oh. aren't real. So they really couldn't. <laughs> yeah, be birds. Uh, we've established that already yeah, on this yes. podcast. Uh, birds aren't real. Um, but I mean, yeah, so they've got kind of the animals that they could be feeding off. They, we do see the infected dogs as well. That is an interesting thing, too, because if you notice that that is a plot point that he even mentions that people can get it either getting bit or, you know, blood or from the airborne. But dogs right. and I guess other animals, it's just by being bit, which is very, it's mm-hmm. very vampiric way. And I agree with Brett, like you would think. Like the way they like run around, they're like rage zombies, and that's actually closer yeah. to what they are. Like, like they're living; they're not dead. They're not that's, dead. Yeah, that's how they seem to be portrayed here. Yeah, and again, we have the smart alpha male that actually can do planning stuff and actually get everyone together, organize, organize them. them. Yeah, which is yeah. which again, weird enough, is almost and after this film is like in Land of the Dead with zombies, where you have George Romero showing. I guess you could want to say the evolution of zombies, but that's really only a Romero trope, like of like zombies get becoming quote unquote intelligent or is it really intelligent or are they just like kind of like remembering certain aspects of their life? Who knows? I mean, we, I think we can pretty much call any Romero trope canon when it comes to zombies because the man invented the modern zombie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, he sure. did, yeah. I think I would say his lore is more or less zombie canon. Yeah, before that, before you know, Night of the Living Dead, zombies were just like oh, from Haiti, and they were just you know guys with big bug eyes, you know, voodoo. voodoo. Yeah, voodoo zombies. That was, yeah. Well, that's all they were. Like uh, the serpent and the yes. rainbow, the the craven exactly. there, yeah. Um, which is yeah, that's more in line with what historical zombies are. But but Romero kind of takes that and turns it on its head, and it becomes this undead thing. And of course, Romero very influenced by the the is it richard or richard, robert Matheson? richard Matheson. richard, yeah. richard Matheson. i think i called him robert oh, earlier let me stop that barrage <laughs> of, of tweets let me stop that tweet twitter storm i rec- i recant my calling him robert earlier the character in this in this movie is robert that's why i think i made that mistake but the but romero's very influenced by the richard Matheson novel and i mean even to the point where the endings are somewhat similar between the original book and the uh, and Night of the Living Dead, like which I think Night of the Living Dead may be one of the bleakest endings in cinema history. Absolutely. I mean, just an absolute fucking gut punch in the worst possible way, but yet so incredibly apt and so um, understated with regard to the story that he's trying to tell. And it's I think the ending is what makes that movie so resonant. Um, and the reason that it, became a cult classic and then a legitimate yeah. classic yeah like yeah like a criterion film you know so much so like but right. it, i mean again you got to think it you know nine living dead during the height of the civil rights movement and you cast mm-hmm. a black man as the star the hero and he wins he wins you're like oh my god he survived the night and just gets shot by a bunch of rednecks goes eh, throw another one on the pile and you're like, and I mean, exactly. I mean, you know, that's a movie as a kid when I watched it, I, I went and I cried. And like, my dad's like, why are you crying? I'm like, yeah, well, he was supposed to survive. And my dad's like, well, you know, and it, it was a good lesson. It's like, well, good things don't always happen to good people. And it was something as a young kid, I go, oh, shit. Okay. That's, you know, to this day, you know, 
for like close to like 38 years later. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. You're right, Dad. Thanks, thanks for the depressing, depressing news. You know, as a kid. But, <laughs> but again, and 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 it's it's such a crazy thing to think that like, oh my God, and like those still photos at the end of that film when it's showing the actual like just thrown bodies, and you're like, right? Oh, this is like different levels right here. It's not just a horror movie. And again, mm-hmm. g- great horror will always have that element of other things going on as opposed to just some slasher movies. And I love slasher movies, but a slasher movie where, okay, they're killing people. There's really nothing behind it. It's just a fun, Mm. you know, gore fest, but great horror will transcend just the horror trope. And that's, and that's what night of living dead did. And lucky for us, Romero got to make, you know, a few other great ones and a few not so great, but that's okay. It's okay. You know, right. And he's allowed. Look, He's allowed. The and 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 I think I think any good genre fiction, honestly, I, I wouldn't even just include horror in that, but, mm-hmm. but science fiction, western, yeah. any good genre fiction is going to be. It, it's a way to make a comment on what we're going through now without setting it right, right. now. Like it, it basically doing a Casablanca, but you know, making it you know changing just enough and changing the setting and the and the world to where. It might not be Nazi Germany. We might be living somewhere else. Like the, that's the the revolutionary thing about a movie like yeah. Casablanca is it's set future episode of this podcast, Casablanca. What? <laughs> they yes. wanted to do a sequel to Casablanca, Brett. Yes, I'm did. sorry. Yes, they did. They, that's that's the thing that happened. So we could right, technically right. cover <laughs> Casablanca on this podcast. Brett what was looking at me like I was a, a zombie <laughs> there for a second. Um you love sure. Casablanca, right? That's one of your all-time favorite movies, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Casablanca? Well, of course I've seen it, but it's okay. not like... Well, it, yeah, well, well I, I, I like the film. I, I think Balsy's Falcon's a better Humphrey Bogart film, but yeah. You know. I mean, you'll, you'll get no argument well. from me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the, you know, there's something about those last oh. 10 minutes of Casablanca that's just absolutely yeah. transcendent. Um, the the scene where they're singing the Marseille. Why the fuck are we talking about Casablanca? <laughs> what? Yes, we went from zombies to Casablanca. And now I, what I, happened? That's I want a movie of... set in Casablanca time with zombies. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Hell yes. A World start, War start II zombie the, film. Put zombies yes. into a thing. Yeah, like yeah exactly. Yeah, like, like yeah. Pride and Prejudice yeah. and zombies. Like that was a big thing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Let's do it with movies. Casablanca <laughs> and zombies. Um, You're greenlit, but but no, it's it, <laughs> it's that kind of thing where in you know that's the revolutionary thing about Casablanca is you're talking making a comment on World mm-hmm. War II in the middle of right, World War right. II, and like that's the and Chaplin does the same thing with uh, yes. the Great Dictator as well. Like there's a chance Hitler actually saw. I the think Great he Dictator. did. I think actually after that film, he won. Right. He was on his shit list basically. <laughs> like oh, if he basically, comes to Germany, yeah. I'm killing him. Okay, I did something good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which and and again that's the that that's that that film becomes that kind of movie becomes increasingly more difficult to make i think the last time we really saw something yeah. like that is the interview uh the the james franco seth mm-hmm. rogan film where they interview randall park playing kim jong il or yes. kim jong-un yeah. sorry and and that led to you know sony getting their emails hacked and everyone learning way too much about the spider-man oh, yeah. franchise um and also, when we found out they wanted to do a, a crossover between Men in Black and Twenty One Jump Street, which I'm still sad they never did. 
that, that could have been fun. It would have been completely bonkers and completely bananas, but that's literally the joke at the end of yes. 22 Jump Street is let's see how fucking bonkers we can make this damn thing. And also that they really only wanted to reboot Ghostbusters purely for the money. They gave two no shits about the franchise. They just wanted to reboot it for the money. Which, I mean, every subsequent attempt at trying to, to, to recapture that magic seems, yeah. you know. Look, all these decisions are made for monetary reasons. We know that. That's not... That's not new. But sometimes, yeah, but, and that's the um, thing with film. Like, yes, a blockbuster can be a blockbuster, but you have certain people behind the scenes. And, you know, even like, you know, when you read about like Francis Lawrence talking about the absence of sound, like, you know, certain people, like, even though you know, oh, this is just a popcorn film, there's a little bit more behind it. They tried to, you know, that's when I appreciate something like this. Like, especially, mm-hmm. you know, sh- you know, does the CGI hold up? Not really, but but again, no. it looks it looks better than some of the CGI I've seen recently, which is actually really sad yeah. that it's actually kind of degrading over the years. And they they had originally they originally were going yes. to do it with prosthetics. They originally had makeup and and there were actual physical actors playing these right. these vampiric zombies or zombie vampires or whatever you, you want to call, call them. Dark yeah, like dark dark the, uh, the dark seekers. Good call. Good call. That's, that's the name yeah. from the book as well. Um, so the, so the dark seekers, and then like a week into production, they decided it looked too fake and said, I will just do it with CG. It looks more fake. And that feels yeah. like a and Well, it's kind of like the same thing they did to the thing prequel. Oh, we have these great practical effects. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look that good. Let's make it CG. So you put CG over the practical. Which I mean, there's only and and we talked about this last week with uh, with Brian Kuyper um, when, on our Bubba Hotep episode, but that's kind of that's what makes that's something that makes like a movie like Jurassic yes. Park work. But no one has ever been able to recapture that kind Not of magic all. again. Like to the extent that even even in the thing with over a decade of of lead in time, it still looks fake as hell. Um, even though you've got real good practical effects and you're grafting the the cgi over it it still lacks the tactility that you get that that phil tippett and the cgi people at ilm were able to capture so beautifully in 1993 a movie that's still like if you know and i was 13 when that when jurassic park came out and i was at the height of my dinosaur love so it was like you know a film Mm -hmm. a film you're You're wearing a jurassic exactly not not intended at all but you no, I do not. And then, and that's the thing. A film that still to this day, I will just throw on when I'm in a bad mood and just to watch, this, not even watch the film itself, just to see the special, you know, like to see the dinosaurs and, the, and, and still going, wait, that's practical or is that CGI? Like, if you can't tell, exactly. then you've done it well. But if you right away you go, ooh, that looks like a PS2 cut scene, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't look real. It doesn't look yeah. like I can actually grab it. And certain parts of the film of I Am Legend, you could tell, again, it's actually someone physically there or something actually mm-hmm. is physically grabbing Robert Neville and throwing him around. Like when the the alpha female yes. is on the table, like a lot of that feels yeah. very tactile. Certain yes. shots of that, let me say, 100%, feel very 100%. tactile. And again, it's the sometimes you go, so how did the other, the, how did the real stuff look fake? But then this looks better. Like, and, and again, exactly. we're talking about big time producers who would want to cut costs as much as they can. And this actually made the movie cost more. And, right. and longer post-production And reshoots time, right. and all this stuff. So 
Yep. It's very odd to me when that happens. You think of the opposite. Oh, wait, you mean we can cut $10 million from this? But again, not every film has Robert Rodriguez behind it. So a guy that's like, oh, I'm willing to take off $10 million off the budget. Oh, really, Robert? Thanks. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. And and I mean, and, and this is something that, that Brett and I talk about all the time. Like, we're, we're practical effect that's apologists. Smart, yeah. Like, we... We love those tactile practical effects. And that was one of the things that when when we had Brian and Michelle on last week for, for Bubba Hotep that we talked about a lot is that that dumb scarab beetle in Bubba Hotep. Yep. It looks fake as hell, but it's a real scarab beetle that Bruce Campbell was actually playing off of. And you can tell that there are people there that Will Smith is playing off of. And I, I do want to get into the difficulty yep. of, of the kind of role he's playing here a little bit. Um, you can tell there's things there that he's actually playing off of, but by the same token... It, it helps his performance, but it doesn't help anything else like for that. Cause the yeah. CGI that's the first thing that's not going to age well in your movie yeah. is the CGI, especially like even before the comedy no, goes you, stale. The you're CGI right. And, and this film, like watching again after probably close to a decade, at least watching it again and going, okay, this is looking good. The, the, the city looks great, you know, like, but then mm-hmm. all of a sudden when you see those deer and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. Now I'm remembering. And mm-hmm. it, even back in 2007, I thought it didn't look that good. So I'm like, oh, this looks really bad. And then the lions come out and you're like, they're not there. Like, no. And then you see the dark yeah. seekers and then it, it's all pretty yeah, much Yeah, the dark seekers, like, there. they vary in look. Like, the alpha male, at least, like, you could tell it's, I, I forgot the, the actor's name. He has an interesting name. He was from Ray Donovan. I'll find it. Uh, yeah. Dash Miho. I remember him from Ray Donovan. He played, I think, his brother. Um, okay. Got a very distinct look. He has a... a so I can mm-hmm. see it in the CGI face, but again, nobody's mouth opens like that big. And again, we... Hell, we've seen vampires with opening maws in Blade 2 from practical effects. Mm-hmm. It could be done. You could, you could figure it out, mm-hmm. but... You know, sometimes the artistry is lost, and, and you know, no, nothing against the CGI artists too, because they have a tough time. No, trying to do, and, they and do. plus they they get paid shit, <laughs> they get paid garbage. You know, yep, they get paid shit. Yes. They're made to work shit hours, and they're made to work under terrible conditions to try to put out something that we're just going to come exactly. in and lambast on a <laughs> fucking podcast. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't, I don't hold it against them sure. always, but again, just give me practical. Just give it impractical effects. Well, and I wonder if it, it has something to do with maybe this Hollywood is stuck on, well, we have to move into the future. We have to constantly be innovating. We can't do practical effects. That's old school Hollywood. I know. We don't do that. I think you're right. I think that's mm. I think that's a mentality. I mean, and every so often that's why you get 3D back. Oh, 3D is the craze. And it lasts like two or three years. Yeah. The TVs come out 3D and then they don't last. And then, oh, wait. Avatar two will bring it back. I was going to say, there's yep. a new Avatar movie oh, coming yeah. out at the end of the year. I'm sure it'll, I'm 4D, sure it'll roll right no. back. You need a you know, 5D. I know. Well, there, I, I mean, know. there's 4DX. That's hate, the thing know, that exists. With, with the ones you with can, the water that sprays on you. Yeah, the chair. You can like the smells the that they pipe in your chair had, and watching the Batman like that recently. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't imagine being stressed. Oh my god, it was three terrible. Hours, just getting like battered around. I get. I get kind of queasy on those uh, on those rides at uh, like theme parks where they've got the giant screen yeah. and you're in the little car that's like just that's basically what it is around. Like I get 
And that's that's literally 4DX is just that for the feature length. And I no no please get rid of that in theaters, please. But that's beside the point. But yeah, oof, the worst. Sure. And I mean, we don't have those here in the Midwest. So maybe outside of Chicago, uh, where neither of us live. But you're, I mean, you're at the, you're in the belly of the beast. You're in New York City. So if they're going to yeah, have never them, they're going to have them there. Never again. It's, it, and it's not worth it's worth not worth yeah, the money either. It's like more money to be. You're, yes, you're yes. ground zero. That's your that's your <laughs> yes, ground zero. You know, take a shot. How many times it says ground zero in this movie? Like especially like later on, ground zero, ground zero. Right. I'd be dead. You know. We get it. Well. Yeah, it's only really poignant that one time when he's really saying it as a callback to yes. the flashback scene. Yeah, and then it's like only you know that he's repeating himself, and that makes the scene a little bit more impactful. No. But other mm-hmm. than that, it doesn't. He does. He says it way too often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and again, but but it, it but it, it lends itself well to that to that one moment <laughs> later in the film. So worth it? Question mark? Maybe. Um. And this this feels and again this is this is a part of the phase two of Will Smith's career where he's demanding to be taken seriously as an actor, and slowly kind of moving away from his goofier roles and into more serious ones. And this feels like this and Hancock feel like a mm. foot in both worlds. Like he's trying to play the kind of character that he would play in Ali or The Pursuit of Happiness, in the kind of genre fare that he had been most associated with at this point, and like someone like a Tom Hanks who's done, who did Castaway um, around this time, or maybe a little, pro- probably a few years prior, if, if memory serves, it's basically just yeah. him for most of the runtime of this movie. And the only things that he has to play off of are a dog yeah. and mannequins and, and right. CG like, or, you know, some, uh, apparently they had actual actors that they would graph right. the CG over, but like, that's, that's all he's playing off of. So it's essentially a one man show which is really difficult, it, it, yeah. like to both for a performer and to watch as an audience member. Like it's it's it, well, it's very tough. Really tough. And and originally, I think when they originally tried to make this movie in the '90s, the original script I think had no dialogue for the first hour. So imagine, like, so. Holy shit. But again, if you're by yourself, I mean, hell, I mean, I'm by myself. I'm talking to myself all the time. I go, what should I do? You know, right, you know it's, same. But we just we just do yeah. it. We just do yeah. it. So, but just imagine if there's nobody around and like you're like, okay, I guess I'm not going to talk. So I think that's why they threw in the dog and the mannequins to kind of he is going crazy in a way. But I mean, he's by himself. Mm-hmm. He basically thinks I'm the I'm the only survivor and I'm immune to this disease. So I'm not. I'm just going to either die of old age, or if these things catch me and just rip me apart. And you know, and and it's kind of yeah. it's a sad, it's a sad life because he has this, um, you know, again, ground zero. I have to find his cure, and we see mm-hmm. in his little lab. Actually, it's a big lab. Though. I shouldn't say a little. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. Um, it's massive. It's I know. Massive. And watch. It honestly, it looks like the same set they used for uh, for Dark Knight or Dark Knight uh, when when he's doing yeah. Like the... when he... Yeah, the, the the crime. It looks like the same set, just with a lot more shit. It does, and yeah. And, and what's interesting is like, I just wonder how much the rent he was paying for that place. Because like, because I have Thank friends you. that actually, while this movie was being made, they they would not see this movie because they lived in that area, and they kept getting closing down the streets like for weeks on end, and they hated Will Smith. And Will Smith's even mm-hmm. talked about this, like he was used to people sticking up their middle fingers at him. So 
he had like that initial growth of like hatred because of people in New York City going, fuck you, man. Like we're trying to live our lives and you're filming a movie. But again, in a way, I kind of like that they filmed the movie in New York City as opposed to let's go to Toronto and make it look like New York City, like most other films. You can always tell. You can always always tell. tell. Same thing with when they do like, I think they do Vancouver for like Chicago or like other cities and like, or mm-hmm. weird enough, like RoboCop, you do Houston for Detroit, whatever. Right. But again, I think what John Carpenter used like Austin or something for for yes, New York and I think so. New yeah. York, something like that. And again, you know, you watch, you go, it doesn't look like New York. But again, this is it's a prison, so you go, okay, I guess it's not really supposed to. But seeing these like landmarks, and again, some things don't make sense, like one bridge next to the other. It's like, no, that's actually not the layout. But but if, if you're not from Correct, New York City, yeah. you're not going to know that. So it's moving ahead. Which a majority of people... No, this movie, that's fine. I'm I mean, but me, I'm going, wait a second. Or him driving and like, how did he get there in like two <laughs> minutes? Like, that's really far. You're not going to make it, even with mm-hmm. no traffic. Again, it reminds me, again, of the beginning of the pandemic, especially when my girlfriend was going to work because she... She was well. She still is, but she was a funeral director, so she was the heart of it. She mm. again, she was dealing with the body, so she had to go to work every day. And mm. but the only thing she loved was the traffic because there was nobody driving. So she would get to work in like usually it would take forty five minutes. It took her twenty minutes every day. She's like, well, that's good, except for the piles of bodies I have to deal with. So then thinking about this movie, I'm like, oh my god, you know, like it's really like triggering me in a lot of ways, and like. Is it good or bad? Again, it feels it. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Logan's Run. Okay. Oh yeah, hell yeah! Future episode yeah. Amazing. Of the podcast. No, Logan's one, Run. Of my, one of my favorites because oh, it's just so weird a film, and certain things in this movie reminded me of that for some reason. Like when they're out, out you know in the open, like away from the the city, and they're just wandering. Mm-hmm. It's just wasteland and nothing around them except for just the two of them. And like that, like, again, I, I don't know why I love stuff like that. Like, you know, movies like The Road, where it's so depressing, but it's just people just wandering and there's nothing around for so mm-hmm. long. It creeps me out because living in a big city, when I moved to like smaller, you know, smaller town at, at one point in my life, I hated it. It drove me crazy. I, I, I need the sound. Mm-hmm. I need noise. Like, if I don't wake up to someone hawking a loogie and cursing at someone else, I don't know where I am. Like, are, are you really? Seriously, are you I really think alive I'm. At no, I wake up. I'm like, why is it? I mean, again, my apartment's actually better than old. Like, it actually is kind of quiet neighborhood. But again, every so often, I'll hear just someone screaming out expletives for no reason, mm-hmm. or playing a bad saxophone, and you're like, is it Gary Busey playing it? What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> it might you know he might, might be, be around. I don't know. It's creepy, but but again, I I don't know how I how I would survive by myself in a world where I think everyone else is dead. So like again, right. talking about him just being by himself, that's a hard role. It is like and again, he's convincing enough that he's trying to play it cool. He's you could tell he loves his dog so much because the puppy that his daughter mm-hmm. left with him. And when we get to that scene, mm. I cried again. Like, I cried in the theater. 
I know. I, 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 you know what? I, I was going to, but I'm like, I have to watch it again. And I'm like sobbing on my couch in the middle of the night. I'm like, yeah, you got me again. Will got me. I've, I've, I've cried too much in the last week. I, I didn't want to do it again. I, I, I had to skip and I it. Think, you know, I, I and I think the movie, like, while I've liked it better this time, I still think from the beginning of the movie to that point, it's a really great film. I think it, like, works really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I'm nothing against when you add the whole concept of, like, other survivors. It's a, that's in the original story. That's It's not like it's different. It's just changed a little bit. But... I really think up until that point, like if you if you ended the film with that depressing scene of him having to kill his own the only companion in the world at this time, would have been the most ballsy thing to do. Right. But also would have been like and, and you know mm-hmm. what? If you wanted you could have had a sequel and we would never have covered it, but it would have like gone right from there. But of course we have to have, you know, crazy Will Smith afterwards wanting revenge for because he knows why right. it's happened now. And and the, I mean, the ending of the book and the ending of the movie are yeah. vastly different. Like, the movie ends with basically a zombie free-for-all uh, and Will Smith blowing himself up to save the future of humanity. The book, from what I understand, ends... Basically, he falls in love with uh, a woman who is essentially a living vampire... Who doesn't have, yeah. you know, kind of a daywalker, yeah. I suppose, and not a dark seeker. And uh, she is part of this new society of the living vampires that are based, the living infected, yeah. I think is what the book calls them, that are basically forming a new society. And he's like, no, I'll be no. accepted. And, and no, spoiler, he's not. Um, and so they're going to execute him. And she basically, as a mercy, gives him suicide pills, which he takes. And, and it's the whole the concept the of like he it ends with like, him realizing I am the villain. I've been killing their kind mm-hmm. like in their crypts while they sleep. Yeah. And, yeah, and and he had been like yes. he had killed her husband, I think, as well. Like um so I mean there's that that kind of very heavy, very dark, yeah. very bleak ending. Um, which this, this movie does have kind of a dour ending, but it's nowhere near as bleak as something like, like night of the living dead or, or the novel. Like it's, it's a very different kind of, of, yeah, uh, I was about, yeah, exactly. I was about to say the miss, miss. And that's, that's not even the original book's ending, which is even crazier. <laughs> oh, but yeah. that's the one. Right. Darabont's like, I should have written that. I got, I, I you know, I'm going to outdo you. King. Yeah. <laughs> Hold and my King- beer, Steve. It no, seems like I don't please. do this anymore. Like, get it away, we, please. Not, Remember maybe? maximum overdrive? Come on, <laughs> let's not let's not relive maximum. Yeah, but overdrive, no, you're right, and it's, and and uh, as Jim from my podcast would attest, it's nothing more than I love than a bleak ending. I love bleak endings. Like I, mm-hmm. I live for them. I live for a bleak ending because it just shows that uh, filmmakers. Kind of, I don't want to say the, have the balls. I don't like that term, but. Have the guts to actually say, you know what? We're not mm. going to give you a happy ending because you don't always deserve a happy ending. And like again, when I was a four-year-old, my dad telling me, "Good things don't always happen to good people." And you watch certain movies and you go, "Wow, that ended on such a sad note." Or like, like that's why my favorite Star Wars film is Empire Strikes Back because it ends on such a sour note. And you're like, "Oh my god, how are they going to survive all this?" But yeah. 
which is, I mean, that's apropos for like the second part of, right. a, of a three act you story. Need like that's because then the third part right. is how are we? And sometimes you don't, you know. I mean, and and you know, like exactly it's a weird a weird movie that I like to bring up every so often. The First Power with Lou Diamond Phillips. Ooh, it's a good one. It's it's is. he's a it's cop wild. who basically going after a guy that's supposed to be like the Zodiac killer type, you know, serial killer who's, so he captures him, guy gets executed, but before he has magic, you know, he basically knows how to like get his spirit out of him to go into body. So it's basically Mm. like Denzel Washington's fallen, but 20 years before and the whole film and the whole film, again, fallen with a nice dark ending. Yeah. Fallen's great. Future episode of this podcast fallen. Uh, nah. you could probably yeah. make a case for it, but I don't think so. I mean, we've we've made some pretty tenuous cases on this. Yeah. That's kind of that's before. kind of like, yeah, like us with Castle Cthulhu. Like, can we say this is Lovecraftian? Maybe. We we fudge a lot on this podcast. We really do. Like, it basically, like it's extended to is this uh is this like based on an existing IP that and it didn't yeah, get a I mean, sequel? I- we'll count it. Because chances are, if this had done, and that's the thing with Hollywood, if something does remotely right. well, it's going to get a sequel. So we can, the way Hollywood works, we can extend this pretty far. This, this oh yeah, I mean, hell, you look years. even within the Halloween franchise, Halloween three deserves that spot because that's what they really wanted the, the movies to be. And then that did, and again, that movie didn't actually didn't do bad. They said, oh, we want Mike, and then when Michael Myers came mm. back, the movie actually did worse. But yet, yeah, people were happy. So whatever you say, but right. And yeah, then, well, then yeah, they rebooted it three more. Times yeah, this, this like, I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen timeline <laughs> like graphs of like the Halloween frame, like how there's this one and then this one, and you're like, oh my, mm-hmm. don't don't do that, and you know, just give me. Yeah, at, they, th- they, at this point, I'm open for a yes, Halloween yeah, right. the Michaelverse, uh, this movie, right? All Into the Myersverse, the Myers, and just a bunch of Myers just getting together and like realizing, hey, we're on the same page. Cool. Let's go kill a bunch more people. That'd be scary. Yeah, actually. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then they, they their hub, of course, is the Event Horizon, and we get you know Ash Williams and um, and uh, aging Elvis to to fight them. It's, it's going to be great. Go listen to our Event Horizon episodes. Yeah. What Stephen is referencing, right? If you if you haven't if you haven't listened to Brett's. Um, Pie in the Sky Ultimate Horror Crossover Pitch from our Event Horizon episode. Uh, go check that out because it's it's fucking wild, and I absolutely love every second of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, look. Um, so this movie, and I honestly, well, so we were I, talking about the ending oh, yeah. of this movie. It had a different ending too. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's okay. Yes, Brett. What was the alternate ending for this film? Because I've actually not seen the alternate ending of this film. Really? It, is, it, is, it is, yeah, it's really? different. You did, you I've, did. I've seen this movie twice: once on Showtime, once on HBO Max. So, well, sure, never, never on physical media to actually watch it said ending. It's on YouTube, Stephen. Um, so, uh, <laughs> what it is? Fine, Brett, fine. Um, I'll watch it when we're done <laughs> recording. Uh, so basically, I think it ties the movie together a little bit more. He he, pretty much gives the captured yeah. female dark seeker back to her family back to her uh boyfriend yes. who's basically <laughs> the alpha i guess mm-hmm. and uh he chooses to then take her and leave and 
they all leave and don't kill him. And then, and then basically they just take Will Smith's character yeah. and put him into the same ending. I mean, and it also okay. kind of touches more upon that. Again, like the Vincent Price one, like he's kind of the monster. Like all the the test subjects that have been killed over the years. Yeah, what have I actually done? Yeah. I actually really haven't done anything in these last few years. I've just killed a bunch of these, this kind that actually are evolving. And I'm like, and and, and he's de evolving yeah. you know, in his own way. Yeah, there's a right, poignant shot in that alternate ending over his yeah. shoulder of the wall of dead yeah. dark seekers he's killed over the past three years. So I, I think it actually, yeah, I, I agree. And 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 actually, doesn't it? it, it do they get to the? the vermont place or are they still driving right i think they just drive so it almost still ends driving like, yeah are they gonna find it i kind of like that. and i and again i like open endings yeah. like that where you go oh maybe they don't find something like so again yeah so, so again you know when they announced for sure years ago this is like back when the movie did really well it made like half a billion dollars it it yeah it did but it i remember him saying great but again this is after out. the original ending where he blows himself up they talked about mm-hmm. a sequel, but then, of course, then it came, well, they'll probably do a prequel. And I'm like, why would I want to watch that? I want to watch just people getting sick. Yeah. And dying, you know, like, right. You know what? What else do we need right. to know? They kind right. of show everything we need to know. Did, the didn't we say all we needed to right. say? In the, right. In the like, first so I go, okay. <laughs> so it goes, and that never happened. So, you know, to me, a perfect sequel, let's just say his character survived and he's with them, would have probably be the the um the the dark seekers that are more evolved that have become like that actually don't necessarily want to like fight them anymore they just kind of want to live their own lives leave us alone and it kind of almost feels like it right but we actually kind of got that with the uh rise of the planet of uh, the apes move the apes movies where the apes want to live on their own leave mm. us alone and the humans you have the good ones and you have the bad ones and they kind of clash so you kind of have that already with which again those are that's a great trilogy but that that's beside the point, you know. Did they really? They oh, just gosh. announced the fourth one. Of course, of I course. Believe, let's, yeah, yeah, let's make it a quadrilogy now. I yeah, it's, yeah. It's IP. We we if we're not doing anything with the IP, we're actively losing the right. IP. That is again, that's the Hollywood machine. Dollar signs in their eyes, and IP is the most valuable. You're right, and and again, this. Warner. It's Warner Brothers, right? That had this. Yeah. Right. From 1970, one, they've yes, had the rights to this movie. Yeah. They made Omega Man a year later. Right. And then didn't do anything. <laughs> they tried, mm-hmm. but for like 30, 36 yeah. years. Including right. including the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger I think there was going to be a Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Which, again, all of these people, these are like big Hollywood leading men that make sense in these kinds, in this kind of a movie. Like, you get a really great star you put him at the center of your movie and then you just craft the whole thing around that individual's persona. Yeah. The fourth, uh, planet of the apes is called kingdom of the planet of the apes starts production next month and will release in 2024. Okay. Not, not if, not a future episode that works. <laughs> no, no, gosh, no, no, we, uh, there's only one planet of the apes movie we can yep. cover on this podcast. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the Tim Burton one. It's, it's the Tim Burton one. So, yeah, and it's on the list. We'll get there one day. That's one I'd say, but of course, I know the There you go. It's on the list. There you go. Stay tuned, listeners. Stay tuned. Um, 
But yeah, in terms of of making a sequel for this, pretty much right after this movie came out, again, because it did so well, um, people were like, well, let's do a sequel. Um, The the director, um, whose name I legitimately just forgot. Yeah, Francis Lawrence. Francis Lawrence, is that it? Okay, Francis Lawrence said, oh, we'll do a prequel and Will Smith will come back because, you know, everybody loves Will Smith. Um, But, of course, then begins, as we said, kind of the Will Smith fallow period where he makes, like, just a few more movies after this and is just done. Like, he does this. He does Hancock. I think he does uh, Seven Pounds. And then he's just, you know what? I don't – I guess I don't know anymore. And walks away for four years and then comes back with – um, I mean, shit comes back with Men in Black three, and then the year after that, After Earth, a oh, cameo yeah. in Anchorman two, and a win and Winter's Tale. Like he's just he's not hitting at right. the same level. He's been gone too long, and so like I think Will Smith's lack of involvement probably kills that project at least for now. Um, he gets oh they want to do. Let me. They want to do maybe like a series or a reboot. Like all of these discussions have happened. 2012, there was talk about coming back, Will Smith coming back and doing another one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then most recently, in March of 2022, March March 4th, 2022, it was announced that Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan would be. Um, there was a, a sequel to this movie in development. They would produce and star in a sequel to I am legend. Um, that was March 4th, 2022. And then 23 days after that, Will Smith bitch slaps Chris rock at the Oscars. And as you mentioned, James like starts getting dropped off of projects and his, his kind of public perception kind of starts to tank. So, this might be our most tenuous episode yet. Like this might be one of those where like we're, we're kind of walking on pins and needles covering this one. But by the same token, like, again, we'll we'll stand by our promise. If it, if the sequel does come out, we'll cover it. James will have yeah, the back for that if that does happen. Um, but um, but again, Will Smith kind of I guess we'll wait and see what happens with the Will Smith of it all um, going forward, because it doesn't really feel like people are rushing with the exception perhaps of right. the, the bad boys films, people are really rushing to make movies with him. Bad boys for life, by the way, the number one film Crazy. in 2020. Yeah. Crazy. Um, <laughs> in case you were unaware. Not, I mean, right. given, given that it was maybe the last big release before the <laughs> pandemic, not too surprising, but, but yeah. yeah. But uh, so we should mention the new segment we should have been doing from the beginning. Did it deserve a sequel? Which I which episode? I did not do last week, so my apologies. Throwing myself on your mercy, sir. Fair enough. That's all right. It's like we're getting used to it. It's a new segment. It's it's new. That we should have been doing from the beginning, but it's fine. <laughs> I just so now it. that we've talked about what a sequel could have been, might have been, or what they wanted it to be, did it deserve um, one? James, I think it's a good think? one and done. Like, do I need to see more of this story? Not really. Mm-hmm. I think, let's say with the original ending, not the alternate one, but you have a complete you know, beginning, middle, and end. And it, it ends on a high note, and mm-hmm. you know the, the humanity will live on. What else is mm-hmm. there to tell? You know, like really, what? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, like it, they're back. Of course, they're you know these things. There's more of these things than anything. So like, of course they're around. It's like again, like The Walking Dead. No matter where you go, there's always going to be zombies. 
but are they the villains or is it mm -hmm. really the people? And do I want to see that world? Exactly. Do I want to see like, oh, the infighting with this like society? Not really. No. Uh, let, let me let me end on a note that, oh, maybe that's like like utopia and they're living a happy life now. I don't need to see that. So, no, the movie did well. Leave it at that. Yeah, and and I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. The original novel didn't have a, a follow up. Uh, it didn't need one. Like this feels like a very contained story. Every other adaptation of this story yeah. has been relatively self contained. Um, I think the reason we don't get the dour ending is because of the Will Smith of it all. Like he kind of in this phase, he's in his rock era. Like yeah. you know, we've talked about the rock on this podcast about how he kind of can't go outside of his persona. Um, and that seems to be the zone that Will Smith is in here. Like you can't question Will Smith's heroism. And so we get that really great ending. Anything that brings him back into the equation, right. I think cheapens that ending. Um, so, you know, we have the ending we have, there's the alternate that's out there. It exists. And it seems like any future version of this is probably going to play off of that ending and pretend like it was the one that got released all, all along. But no, like there's a, um, yeah, I, I think, I think this, this is good on, on its own as a standalone. I don't think this needed one. Yes, it did make all the money. So Hollywood gets very greedy as it is wont to do, but I, I think this is a good one, Brett. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, the only thing is you might want to see a sequel to see the more closer right, to right. the book vampires. Mm. Uh, that's it. Otherwise, yeah, no. We at don't. that point, just do a right. reboot. Really, yeah. yeah. Honestly, just do a reboot at that point. We don't. We don't need a sequel. We've not. we've had we've had three versions of this story already. What's a fourth? I mean, how many Star is Borns have there been? Come on, we can <laughs> at least many, ten. Right. How many Batman's have there been? <laughs> at least I mean, forty-five. Yeah. So uh, we can we we we're okay with another I Am Legend. That's okay. We we can do that again. Yeah. And, and you know what? Cast Michael B. Yeah. Jordan. He's fucking great. I love that guy. More yeah. more stuff with Michael B. Jordan. Honestly, his cameo in the oh. in the space jam, the new Space That's, Jam movie, the only best only part of that part damn of that movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the bar was low there. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> touche. Very low. I also like the part where the Gremlins were on screen for half a second. What a weird I'm random. Uh, Gremlins, you know, you have so. uh, rated R characters within. You know, like what or the mask? The mask is chilling. Yeah, yeah. you've you got yeah. the droogs from. Oh, that's a great IP to have for the like, kids. You know. <laughs> right you know for the kids you know for kids, oh, you know, for kids. Yeah. <laughs> um so the this movie opens in december of a 20 or 2007 just you know december 14th just a very nice um a very nice christmas time movie a very oh, good yeah. uplifting kind of feel good uh sort of film to hold end on, up hold on. on is i am legend a christmas movie <laughs> Oh, it no. could be. The, 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 the pandemic of this movie takes place around Christmas. There's Christmas the decorations and the, the, the presents are in the closet. The yeah. Yeah. The kid, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. I don't want to answer. We go in August. It's Christmas now. So Eric, there you go. I am legend. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Uh, hell yeah. This movie opens number one on uh, December 14th, 2007. Makes a hundred yeah. million opening weekend. Like just an absolute slam dunk opening weekend. Um, it's uh, opens at number one, number two, another movie opening this weekend opens to just over half of what, uh, what this one makes. Oh, uh, it's Alvin wow. and the chipmunks uh, in number three. 
I've said it so many times on this episode. Get ready. I'm getting ready to say it again. Future episode of this Ooh, podcast. Golden the Golden I, I love those stories. So that's, uh, you know. Uh, open- that one opened at number two, or that one opened the week before at number one, is yeah. down to number three in its second weekend. Uh, that one has not earned as much total in two weekends as Alvin and the Chipmunks grossed in one. So no, yeah. no wonder why we're going to be covering that one. Um, in fourth place, uh, no longer a future episode of this podcast, oh. the Disney film Enchanted, uh, because that one's getting a, se- a straight-to-Disney Plus sequel coming out later this year. Uh, and in fifth place, the eventual Academy oh, yes. Award winner, No Country for Old Men, nice movie, yeah. which fucking great movie. That one's made about 35 in the past six weeks. Uh, closing out our top 10, you've got Fred Claus. What if Vince Vaughn was Santa? Uh, in seventh place, This Christmas, as opposed to Last Christmas, I guess. Uh, in eighth place, The Perfect Holiday. These movies yeah. just kind of hang out because it's Christmas time. Uh, in ninth place, we have August Rush. What if there was a rush on August? No, that's the movie so. about the violin playing kid, right? And then in 10th place, eventual uh, Academy Award nominee, Atonement, yeah. which is oh. another movie that's fucking great. Uh, this movie goes on to gross $256.4 million at the domestic box office, another 329 overseas uh, for a worldwide box office of 585 dollars million dollars is this the highest grossing movie we've ever covered it it's got to be one it's got to be in the top three of the highest grossing films we've ever covered i know that is insane i didn't know it did that well usually usually the movies which is a reason why you don't get a sequel but that's why this one's so weird right but well and i think i honestly i think if we can point to a reason why this one didn't get a sequel it's it's the will smith thing like, cause right after this, it's, it's two, yeah. two in the bank and he's done. Like he just, he drops out. Like he does stuff with his kids. He like maybe bummed that he, you know, lost out on the Oscar nomination for seven pounds. I'm not entirely sure the story there, but he yeah. just falls off the face of the earth for four years. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's on the bingo card. It, like doesn't get a sequel because the main mm-hmm. one, one or more actors just didn't want to do it. Yeah. That's on the disenfranchised bingo card. It is. A I don't know that. I don't know that it's him not wanting to do it. So, cause I think if maybe if the script had been better, if they had a decent idea, he might have, but yeah, there's, I mean, it, it, you're right. It is on the bingo card. Like it's, it's one of the ones that we can tick <laughs> off. Has anyone gotten to bingo yet? Let us know. Disenfranchised. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, who's going to make that bingo card for us too, by the way, I'd, I'd love to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's one of those things that does come up from time to time. Just, you know, the main star, not, not interested, not invested. Um, and it seems like at this point in his career, Will Smith might be willing to return to some, he's, he's yep. kind of Harrison Fording his career right now. He did bad boys for life. He, he bowed out of independence day, right. uh, resurgence, but I think, you know, if that film had been in development, maybe even just a few so. years later, he might've had something to do with it. Um, and, and now he's a, a, allegedly returning to the I am legend, uh, wheelhouse. Like maybe this is just, He's already done the Men in Black thing back in 2012. Maybe he'll do that again because, again, that's IP. Warner Brothers isn't going to let that die. We have that truly Oof. awful yeah, Men in Black international yeah. movie that came out. What about out. I, I Robot 2? You know, if we can get a movie that stars Smith and Chris Hemsworth, yeah, I'm I sure Robot people 2. will show up. I mean, it's that. a lot he can work with if he really wants to. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, do we want him to is the question. And, and maybe, I don't know. The, the answer now is, I don't know. 
Honestly, a single oh, Wild West would just make my dreams come true. Uh, on, you would well. <laughs> the, the the bad thing about a sequel to Wild Wild West, Brett, is that we wouldn't be able to cover it on this podcast. And I know you really yeah. want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that's that. fair. So. I don't know. I don't know which one I want more. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, here's the thing: that if you cover so bad, it, but I love it. Maybe that'll be the reason why the sequel gets made because people are like, "Oh, they're talking about the movie." Right. <laughs> right. I, I think you overestimate how many people you listen never... to this podcast, James. And no, believe me, no one appreciates that more than I do. But uh, but yeah, so that is our episode on I Am Legend. And we have, of course, been so, so grateful to have been joined by the great James McCormick. James, uh, tell us where we can find you on socials. Tell us what you guys have going on over at Cast of Cthulhu. Yeah, I mean, just, on Twitter, just, just really, it on us, where I'm, I'm trying to rebuild my uh, quote unquote, you know, followers again. Um, Wonka kills kids there now. Uh, Fist Philomena has been dead for a long time now. Yeah, RIP for still a reason I do not know. Um, re- recently on a Catholic Cthulhu, wow. actually the newest episode is one that Jim and I are actually not on. We had a special friend of the of the show, uh, Jerry Smith, composer extraordinaire, um, do an interview with the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival co-director, Gwen Callahan, talking about the festival that's actually going on this weekend right now. Um, and it was a fun little episode nice. and, the, and in the last few, like the last month or so we've, we've covered the, uh, glory hole Lovecraftian film glorious. Um, yeah, it's on shutter, a shutter exclusive okay. with uh, Rebecca, Rebecca McKendry from Fangoria fame and whatever that, that horror podcast she used to do that got shut down because of one of the co-hosts being uh, a creep, not her. She was great, but like oh, something else yeah. happened. I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah, and then um, Still, we also you, covered you the ritual, which is a favorite, a favorite of ours. I, I really? that was a film I did not. Care I understand for, that, I, but I mean, I, I, I think of it as the, the, uh, the, the male version of the descent. You know what I mean? I yeah, that makes that, that, that Plus, I love, a lot I love, of sense. Yeah, in that context, oh. yeah. I oh, think so do I. So do I. And again, that's a, done, the descent but... is a film I actually kind of want to cover on the podcast. I, I I think I have a a line to say it's Lovecraftian, but and that's the thing. I, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, that and that's another film with two two endings. Yeah, let's let's get three guys together, or Brett, you can join us too. Let's get four guys together to talk about a, a female fronted yeah. horror movie. That sounds like a great. No, movie. no, we won't get canceled. That won't that's be okay. problematic at all. But, nope. Other than that, I mean, soon we're, we're we're still trying to do maybe one or two more episodes before uh, Jim has his baby. Um, so it's coming. It's coming soon. Coming in the next month or so. A little little Cthulhu to the uh, world is going to be entering. Yeah, but um, oh, and we'll we we'll take a little it. hiatus until next year and then start anew. But you know, other than that, really, you know, Twitter is really the place to find me. Other than that, you know, right on. Right on. Well, we we always love having you on. Yes. We always love having Jim on too. Jim was supposed to join us and <sighs> scheduling just the bane of our collective existence yeah. just didn't quite work out, unfortunately. But um, we we again we'd love to do a a, a proper cast of Cthulhu disenfranchised we'll crossover one of these yeah. days. We're gonna we're gonna make yeah, it happen. We'll figure it out. Try, I'm still trying to think which film we could do, but um, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, there's there's a couple. There's there's one in particular that's back on the table. I, yeah, that I mean, we covered it, so I don't know probably, if you'd want so. to do it again, but. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it after we record, but 
Um, but at any rate, this uh, this is uh, Stephen. Um, what were the Metacritic and Letterboxd ratings? Oh my gosh! Um, what are you doing, my guy? That's my whole shtick, and I completely abandoned my shtick. Fuck, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, the Tomatometer score on this one is a 68% critics consensus. I Am Legend overcomes questionable special effects and succeeds largely on the strength of Will Smith's mesmerizing performance. We more or less agree. Uh, the meta score on this one is a 65 based on uh, generally favorable reviews from 37 critics. And the letterbox score is a 3.3. James, as our guest, who you've already, you know, given your plugs, but as our guest, um, what is uh, out of five stars? What out is of five your rating for? Uh, I, I give it 3.5. Yeah. 3.5? Brett? Uh, that's what I would give it as well. I think it's it's a, it's a four four point yeah, five until exactly. you know the point where the dog the dog dies. I agree. After yeah. that, kills like a whole star. Um, so okay. yeah, three and a half. It's it's a three for me. Um, I I you know which again better than it better than it was like the last the last few films that I've watched just for my own edification and for other podcasts they've they've grown slightly in my in my estimation and this is this is one of them like I didn't care for this one at all when I first saw it kind of bored me honestly but. But this time through, it was again. I I picked up a lot more on what Will Smith was doing, and and I I got an appreciation for yeah. the guy does have acting chops, even if exactly. he doesn't often employ them. So yeah, he he plays psychologically <laughs> fucked up with PTSD very well. Right. Um and um, James, since you've already done your plugs, uh, where can we find Castle Cthulhu? On, Let's see. Um, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, you can email us, the e- email us at mountainsofmadness at gmail dot com if you have any suggestions or you know, hate mail, whatever. We'll take it. Um, I, I know. I'd be surprised. No, don't, though. don't tell them um, hate mail. They're good guys. We haven't gotten really that much. I got more hate mail when I was with yeah, uh, maybe not Criterion Cast because there's nothing worse than pissing off nerds. Nothing worse. Yeah, <laughs> you're um, telling me. You're not a kid. We we have a oh, whole episode yeah, dedicated to shitting on that. Star Wars fans. So, and then a whole episode yeah. dedicated to shitting on Marvel yeah. fans. Right. We do this a lot. Shitting yeah. on Ghostbusters fans. Well, yeah, there was yeah, one we, episode we, I, ne- I didn't do. It was The Night Porter, which is the Nazi, like, artistic Nazi film. And we actually had a bunch of uh, yes. neo-Nazis um, threatening our lives, like, for not liking the film. But I, I and, and funny enough, I didn't actually, that was one episode I could not do. And I'm like, wow, the one episode I don't do, we had death threats. God damn it. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> When's the, anyone the closest I ever got to that was doing a silly. review for The English Patient which I thought was one of the most boring films ever. And I had someone so um, basically mm. said, like, if it's so boring, then why are you born? Or something like that. I went, what does that even mean? So that was the insult I got. Um, <laughs> that and um, trashing uh, Tron Legacy, which since then I actually like a lot more now. But when it came out, I trashed it, except for the soundtrack, which sure. is still amazing. And I had someone not believe that I watched a film because there's no way the film sucks. Okay, you haven't seen it either, so shut the fuck up. Um, but um, on Twitter, yeah, yeah. the tw- on Twitter you can you know cast Cthulhu. Um, if you don't know how to spell Cthulhu, um, Google will figure it out for you. So don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah and the face is it's not that hard. My, oh, honestly, my oh, phone auto corrects whenever I misspell. Cthulhu, it knows now. So. It's become that sentient that yes. Cthulhu is in, the, in in everywhere now. Um, 
Um, but yeah, other than that, we don't really use exactly. the Facebook page. So I'm not going to plug that. So, you know, that's a very, I don't even use Facebook much anymore. So, but yeah, but other than that, that's really about it for the, right the podcast. But if you Google us and, you know, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio and any of those, any of those fun places you can listen to us. We're actually on Spotify now. So you just want to just stream us on Spotify. Yeah. I've actually had some people that only use Spotify actually start listening to the podcast. So that's actually a good good little avenue that people do not nice. do not nice. know how to download podcasts, like especially like family members of mine that are over the age of 60. But they know how to use Spotify, which I'm amazed mm-hmm. by. So, mm-hmm. hey, whatever. Whatever gets the ear. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. Whatever works. <laughs> Spotify is a very intuitive interface. There's one of the best things about Spotify. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we also, you can find us on Spotify as well. Uh, in fact, this has been the disenfranchised podcast. So shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing. If you have any questions for us, did this, did this conversation spark any questions? Let us know. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, hit us up on all the social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at DisenfranchPod. Uh, and um, look, if you want to help us out, we always appreciate it. Swing on by Apple Podcasts. Swing on over on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice, juicy five-star rating and review. We always appreciate it because that's going to help us find more people like yourselves. And damn it if we don't think you're pretty cool. So, so bring your friends. Um, you can also support us monetarily if you so desire. Swing on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod, um, where I, we've got stuff happening. There's stuff's going on. I'm not sure what it is yet, but we're going to we're gonna release some stuff, I'm, I'm sure. So, so we got some back catalog stuff you can listen to while we figure that out. That's true. We actually do have, including several episodes of, of, of revolving around horror films. We've got our commentary track for Train to Busan up there at the $5 level. We've got uh, episodes on the Scream franchise and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise on Unenfranchised at the $5 level. A couple of spooky-themed uh, disenfranchised episodes at the $3 level for top five lists that Brett and I did last year. There's some spooky season content behind that paywall to satisfy even the most glib of horror fans. So swing on over there if you want to throw us a few bucks. Uh, we sure would appreciate it. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's the episode. You can find me, your host, Stephen Foxworthy, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you, sir? You can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. So that is all she wrote. This has been the I Am Legend episode of the Disenfranchised Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy. For my co-host, Brett Wright, and our very special guest, James McCormick, be they vampires, be they zombies, either way, stay the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs>